Today's scripture is from Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Good morning. Well, I've done something risky this morning. I brought something dangerous up here with me. And before anyone freaks out, I brought a bag of almonds up here. This may look like an ordinary bag of almonds, and it is, but that doesn't make it any less dangerous to me. You see, I am allergic to most tree nuts. And even though this is very small, and for most of you very harmless, for me, it could literally kill me. In fact, when I bought these at the store, I felt very uncomfortable, because I didn't want any residue getting on my hands. I mean, this is a dangerous, it's small, but it boasts a danger to me. Let me tell you a story. When I was a kid, we were going to Sam's Club, If you don't know what Sam's Club is, it is like Costco for the South. I'm sure most of you know what Sam's Club is. Anyway, it's basically a Costco. So I'm going through Sam's Club and we'd always go, my family would always go on Saturdays because it's basically a free lunch, right? You go and they have all these taste tests, right? That's why you go. You go on Saturday because they have the taste test. And so what our family would do is when we had a big shopping day, we would go there during lunchtime and we'd eat all the taste tests, and that's your lunch. Anyway, I, we got to the back of the store this one particular Saturday, and I picked up a little cup of Thai noodles and shrimp. And I didn't even eat the whole thing, and it was really a very tiny portion, and I didn't even eat the whole part of it. But as soon as it entered my mouth and went down my throat, my throat started closing up. But I was a kid. I didn't realize what that meant. I had never felt that feeling before. And so I turned to my mom and I said, Oh, oh that was spicy. Mom, that was, oh, that was really spicy, Mom. Now my mom, she prides herself. She, grew up, uh, she lived in Louisiana for a little while. She prides herself on being able to eat spicy things. And the same goes for her boys. So she said, Man up, it's not spicy. Okay? <laughs> And I'm telling my, and I don't really understand what's happening, but I say, Mom, can I get a drink of water? That's really spicy. Now, I was too young to go off wandering in the store by myself. And so my mom said, yes, you can get water once we're by the fountain. But we're at the back of the store, and the water fountain's all the way at the front of the store. And so we're wa- zigzagging all the way down the, through the aisles to make our way slowly back towards the water fountain. And the whole time I'm like, oh, oh Mom, that, that was really spicy. And I don't know how else to describe it. But little do I know, my throat is closing. And my, first, my only instinct is I just need water. I don't know what to do. And so I'm, we're slowly making our way. It seems terri- terribly slow. My mom's, you know, trying to pick which, which box of oatmeal to get. And finally we get to the water fountain and I drink water. And that's when my mom realized something bad was happening. Because I drink the water and it did nothing. It didn't help at all. Until, and my mom realized, oh... I think he's having an allergic reaction. And so we rushed home and I took some Benadryl and we did 
we did several other things. Long story short, I'm, I'm still alive today. Uh, but it was a, quite the ordeal. And all from that, just that very, very tiny portion. And we don't know how, but somehow or another, a nut got in there. We don't know how. Because we looked at the ingredients later, it didn't have nuts in the ingredient, in, on the ingredients list. But somehow a nut got in there, and something so tiny was so dangerous for me. But you know, that bag of almonds is not the most dangerous thing I brought up here with me. The most dangerous thing I brought up here with me, I bring with me everywhere I go. That's my tongue. The tongue boasts a great danger. Even, if it's, even though it's so tiny, it is so incredibly dangerous. It's like a fire or a spark that can grow into a great fire. And in the same way that a fire is essential for us to live, we need the tongue. We need to be able to communicate. We need the tongue to spread the good news of the gospel. But at the same time, a fire, even though a fire is good for us to live, it can go out of control and a fire can destroy. And the same is true of the tongue. And this is the very point that James makes in the book of James chapter 3. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 12. He says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. They are so great and are driven by strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Savior, and with it we curse men who was made in the likeness of our God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? Or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. The tongue is a mighty dangerous part of our body. And this morning I want to zoom in not only on all parts of speech, but on one particular type of speech. And it's perhaps the most destructive type of speech there is. And what I'm talking about, of course, is gossip. We're going to be talking about gossip this morning. Now before we get into it, I want to... Give full disclosure. I'm going to be as vague as possible. But uh, a, a person in my life... Yeah, I'm not going to gossip from the, from the pulpit. Don't worry. But a, a person in my life uh, this last week was recently affected by gossip. Uh, 
And it's kind of what steered me to preach on the subject because it was a really harsh and stark reminder. But basically, I was uh, minding my own business, you could say, when suddenly a piece of gossip passed my way. And it was about a preacher friend of mine who's living in another state. And that right there should show you just how powerful gossip is, how far it can spread, right? Especially with technology today, a piece of gossip spread hundreds of miles. And I hear this, this statement about this preacher friend of mine, who I have a pretty regular correspondence with through, again, technology. And it was actually an accusation of sin against this preacher. And as soon as I heard it, I thought, that's not true. I didn't believe it. Because I know this guy, he's a friend of mine, and it passed my way, and I thought, I don't think that's true. And so I told the person who, who told me, I said, I don't think that's true. But, and I didn't pass it along, but I kind of just left it there. And I'm actually ashamed I didn't do more to quell the rumors because it eventually came out that it wasn't true and that what had been spreading around was a lie. But it had already caused so much damage, this lie. It had caused damage within his congregation and even within his own family. I'm disgusted to say that his own family took part in the, in the chain of gossip. His own family was spreading these rumor, this rumor about him. In fact, they, they would have said that they were doing it out of love, that they were just, oh, they heard about their, their family member who was sinning, they felt concerned for him, therefore they passed it along because we're just so concerned. We've got to talk to my husband and my wife, or, you know, fill in the blank. And, and so it passed from ear to ear Again, from what they would call good motives, out of concern, out of love, out of compassion, they'd say. And yet, unbeknownst to them, they were spreading a lie. They thought they might be helping the matter. But they were spreading... It was like the telephone game. You ever play the telephone game? It was a lot like that. And it turns out the issue, it all started through a disagreement between this preacher and one other person. And because that one other person was unwilling to settle the matter in private, they spread it and eventually it got morphed into something entirely different. And it it became this accusation of sin, which was baseless. It was a lie. And people spread it, not knowing it was a lie, but they spread it anyway. And now this preacher is having to rebuild his own reputation within his family. When I heard all of this, when I kind of discovered all of this last week, I, it, was a, it was a harsh and stark reminder for me at just how devastatingly destructive gossip is. Gossip is a destroyer, not a builder. Gossip only, it's a problem. So, and that's why I felt I, we really need to talk about this because even though even though this happened to someone else, I know what happens everywhere. And I know what happens in the church. Because for whatever reason, maybe it's because it, it's so pervasive in our culture, but for whatever reason, we've, a lot of us have come to the conclusion that it's not so bad. At least we act as if it's not so bad. We still participate in it. But gossip is a sin like any other. 
Gossip is a sin just like sex outside of marriage is a sin. It comes with the same spiritual repercussions as murder does. To be addicted to gossip is just as venomous to the soul as being addicted to drugs or to pornography. And yet we act as if gossip's not all that bad. We can put it in the category of harmless sins. There's nothing harmless at all about gossip. So how do we define gossip? I think it's important to understand what exactly we're talking about because there are, there are many definitions out there. Some would say it's only gossip if you're spreading a lie. Well, I think the story I just told you should show you why that's a poor definition because how do you know it's a lie or not? There are plenty of people who spread gossip thinking it's true when it turns out it to be false, to be completely inaccurate. But even if it is 100% true, that doesn't mean you should be talking about it. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, Jesus gives a prescription as to how we ought to act when somebody sins in our midst. And there's a little bit of disagreement on to how it should be translated here. Uh, you'll notice if you look in another version, of, this is the New American Standard Bible, if you look in another version, you might see if your brother sins against you. Okay, there's some debate as to what exactly is being talked about here. I personally agree with this rendition. Now, the only difference between the two would be that this rendition broadens the application a little bit. In other words, you follow this prescription not only if someone hurts you, but if someone sins and you happen to witness it. Okay? So, you happen to witness someone sinning, what do you do? What's the rule? Well, Jesus says it here. He says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So we see that there is kind of an order, a process that you have to follow when dealing with sin in your midst, in your brotherhood. First, you go to them in private. Then if that doesn't work, you bring in two or three witnesses. And if that still doesn't work, you bring it to the church. How often do we actually follow this prescription? Not very much. And I'll be the first to admit, I've been part of the problem here. But in every church I've been a part of, uh, really any church I've ever witnessed, at least in America, it seems to me that we kind of view this as a suggestion, not really a rule. Because we'd so much rather talk to someone who would agree with us. We'd so much rather complain and moan about someone behind their back. Maybe we're afraid of confrontation, so it's, it's uncomfortable to go and tell someone, hey, you've sinned, or hey, you offended me. So we'd much rather just gripe and complain and nurse a grudge. But this is not a suggestion. This is a rule given to us by Christ himself. And so when you talk about the biblical definition, what is gossip? I heard it worded this way, and I, and I like this. It's speaking to someone who is neither directly a part of the problem or the solution concerning 
another person who is not present. So it's talking to someone about someone else and the person you're talking to is not even involved. Right? They're not involved in the solution. They're not a part of the problem either. That's what gossip is. It's not only spreading lies, although that's certainly part of it. There's much, it's a much broader application to us. And according to Christ, we're supposed to go to someone in private when they sin. But we make such excuses. Even, even knowing this, we make such excuses for gossip. We say, oh, it's because I'm concerned. It's because I care. Maybe you've heard this one. They wouldn't be willing to talk to me face to face. Well, that's an assumption, isn't it? Or maybe you've heard this one. It's not gossiping if it's the truth. Or it's not gossiping if it's in the family. I only told my wife. I only told my husband, right? Here's one I've heard a lot. I'm not saying anything I wouldn't say to their face. You ever heard that? hear that one? You ever say that one? <laughs> I, I've heard that one a lot. But is that the biblically prescribed method? Is that what Jesus said? Oh, if you're willing to say it to their face, then you can say it to anyone. No, He said go to them in private. I think it's pretty clear, right? Maybe you've heard another one. They did it to me first. Or, you know, I'm just venting. I'm just venting. I just want to process my thoughts. I just want to hear from someone objective. A.K.A. I want to hear from someone who will agree with me, who will then tell me I am uh, justified in feeling upset. Or this one. I'm just passing along a prayer request. I've been a part of and not recently, but I've been a part of prayer groups that were just a bunch of people sitting around and gossiping. And then they'd pray for them after. But these are all excuses. And they're all bad excuses. And so we, we make these excuses and we continue a horrible cycle. And we act as if we might be helping someone by talking about them behind their back. We act as if it might be beneficial to us or to other people in the church. But I want to make sure this point is absolutely clear. Gossip is a destroyer, not a builder. It's a destroyer. There are several reasons gossip is a destroyer. We're going to look at several things that gossip destroys. By walking through the book of Proverbs and taking out a few excerpts from that passage or from that book, Solomon has a lot to say about gossip. And I think we can learn uh, just how destructive it is by looking at a few of those things. The first thing I think we can learn is that gossip, and this someone is pretty obvious, but gossip destroys relationships. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 28, Solomon says, A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A slanderer separates what? Who? Intimate friends. 
friends who have been together for a long time. These are, we're talking about family members. We're talking about brothers and sisters. We're talking about people who, whose relationship has been growing and nourishing over years, and yet all of that can be destroyed through one misspoken word. Through one bit of gossip, one bit of slander. Relationships are destroyed. Important relationships, close relationships, demolished. If anyone thinks they can gossip into a better relationship, they are horribly mistaken. Again, let me make sure it's clear. Gossip is a destroyer, not a builder. Second thing, second reason gossip is so bad is because it never solves problems. It always, and listen to me on this, it always compounds the problem. It always makes things worse. It, it's never helpful to gossip about an issue or a problem that's going on in your life. Look at some of these passages. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 18 and 19. It says, He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. When there are many words, listen to this, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Another passage, chapter 26, verses 20 through 22. He says, For lack of wood, a fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Now that last part there, dainty morsels, I like that wording. Uh, other, other versions say choice food. The idea here is it's, it's basically presenting the image of people sitting down to an amazing banquet, right? And it's all delicious food. And let's say you haven't eaten for a while. You are famished. What do you do to all this food? You take it in as quickly as possible, as greedily as possible. And he's saying people take in gr- gossip that way. They eat it like greedily. They, they say, oh, you have gossip? Give it to me. And they eat it as much as they can and they become really gluttons of gossip. But he says it doesn't go down into the belly and make you fat. It goes down into the innermost parts of the body. In other words, it goes down into your soul and it poisons and it corrupts your soul. It's much more dangerous, a piece of gossip. It's much more dangerous than a Twinkie, Okay. It's much more dangerous than an unhealthy snack that's going to cause you to gain weight over time if you indulge in it. Gossip poisons the soul if you indulge in it. He also says here this amazing metaphor, going back again to the fire imagery. He says gossip is to strife, is to problems, is to contention what wood is to a fire. Gossip fans the flame. Gossip makes things worse. It never settles things. It only makes things worse. Again, it's a destroyer, not a builder. Gossip compounds problems. And a small issue, it it might be a spark, but gossip is all all that's needed to fan that spark into a flame which becomes a forest fire and burns the whole forest down. Gossip is a destroyer. Another reason gossip is so destructive is because it will destroy your reputation. 
It will destroy your own integrity and make it quite plainly so that other people don't want to be around you except for other gossips. But it will destroy your reputation. There are several passages that talk about uh, where Solomon basically gives the advice to not associate with gossips. He says, stay away from them. And I think most people understand you don't tell a secret to a, to a gossip and, and think that they're going to keep it secret for you. <laughs> right? Oh, it's a special case. They'll keep my secret a secret even though they've not been able to keep a secret at all in their lives. Right? And so people just very naturally want to stay away from gossips for those reasons. But, and, that, and that's really the selfish way of looking at it. To just Here's a selfish reason why you shouldn't gossip because it'll make people not want to associate with you. But much more importantly and much more selflessly is that gossip will destroy your reputation which would destroy your witness. You are a, an ambassador of Christ to the world. That's how he set it up. And how you act and how people respond to you are how people respond to Christ. And how do you think someone, what do you think someone's going to think about Christ if their ambassador is constantly indulging in gossip? So much more importantly, your reputation, it's vital in spreading the gospel. And if you destroy your witness to the world, <laughs> then you've lost a lot. Gossip will destroy your witness. Another reason gossip is so destructive is because it always seems to come back to haunt you. Even years later, I know I've had just poorly timed poorly thought out words that I've said, even if I didn't intend it for it to be gossip. I know, I, you know, there have been times that I've said something in, in the past that years down the road came back with a vengeance. Again, it's like a fire. Only this is a fire that brews and grows slowly over time. You might have said someone to somebody, you might have spread a lie about somebody, and they won't find out about it till years later, and then suddenly what you can't even remember is destroying a relationship, is destroying a friendship, a marriage. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit it will come back to haunt you if you are a gossip. Fifthly and finally, gossip is so destructive because it breeds pride. It breeds arrogance. And it, it really it, it feeds a false sense of superiority in the one who is gossiping. Proverbs 26.12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And in chapter 16, verse 5, he says, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. And what does gossip do if not build 
or breed your own pride or stroke your own ego. What gossip, that's what gossip does. It creates egos. Because when you're talking ill of someone else, when you're talking down about someone else, you're automatically lifting yourself up. And folks, the Bible is filled with passage after passage about God being opposed to the proud and giving grace to the humble. He who humbles himself will be exalted by God, but he who exalts himself will be humbled by God. We are meant to be humble people, and frankly, humble people don't gossip. Because a humble person realizes, you know what? I'm not all that perfect. It's not like I haven't sinned either. It's not like I haven't done the very same thing that someone's telling me that they're about they have done. Humble people don't gossip. And it's kind of ironic. I've been saying so far, gossip is a destroyer, not a builder. If it builds anything, it builds your ego, which sets you up for a fall. You see how destructive gossip is. I hope, I hope you do. I hope you see why it should be avoided like the plague. Why we should do everything in our power to stand against it. But then the question becomes, how? How do we stand against it? How do we stop gossip in our midst? Well, it's pretty simple, but I'd like to give a couple of just practical bits of advice. And the first one is that I think we could stop a lot of gossip before it even starts if we become known as people who won't stand for gossip. If you are known by others as someone who simply won't listen to gossip, who doesn't allow gossip in their home, if you are known as someone who does that, then they're going to stop coming to you with gossip. They're going to stop coming to you with their dainty morsels, aren't they? And that takes... That takes some effort on our part that when the next time gossip does come around, we recognize it for what it is. Right? We've, again, we've, been, we've become so accustomed to it that it's hard for us to even recognize it sometimes. Well, this morning we've defined it. This morning we've talked about how destructive it is. Now, the next time it rolls around, we should do everything in our power to identify it for what it is and lovingly stop it. Simply say, I'm sorry. I don't listen to gossip. I, I, I don't want to participate in this kind of discussion. The second thing we should do is we should hold one another accountable in this. Ask your husband or your wife or a brother or sister you're close to in the church. Ask them to hold you accountable. If you know gossip is a problem that you deal with, Go to the people, while you're strong now, go to the people you usually gossip to and tell them, hey, next time I try that, stop me. If we, if we work together on this, we can keep each other accountable, we can keep each other away from this destructive force. And, and, and we need to be on the, on the search. Now, Here's a pop quiz as to what you've learned so far. What do you do when you catch someone gossiping? You go to them in private. We go to them in private when we see someone sinning. And if that doesn't work, we bring in two or three witnesses. 
And if that still doesn't work, then we get the church involved. The third thing I'll say is that the next time you're tempted to gossip, or the next time someone starts gossiping to you, think of yourself as an advocate. When someone gossips about another person, they are really attacking someone, and this person has no ability of fighting back. No, has no ability to fight back. They have no ability to record, uh, recourse, right? Because they're not present. You're attacking someone who's defenseless. If someone's doing that in your presence, think of yourself as an advocate. We as Christians are meant to defend the defenseless. And I think that this applies. We should, in that moment, think of ourselves as a defender for that person who's not around. And, and go in and say, you know what? They may have had their reasons. Or there's probably a whole other side of the story that we don't understand. Or maybe what you heard isn't true. I give them the benefit of the doubt. We need to be showing grace, especially grace, to the person who's not even there, who can't even defend themselves. And I think if we all thought of ourselves as these advocates, the way Christ is our advocate, I think we'd be a lot less willing to simply degrade someone when they're not even there to hear it. The last piece of advice I'll say is that we should be making a conscious effort to be like Barnabas. Barnabas, you may, you may not know, but Barnabas, that's not his original name. He was called Barnabas by the apostles. And what does Barnabas mean? Son of encouragement. Right? In other words, Barnabas, I think his name was Joseph, right? He was so good at encouraging others. He was just one of those guys that was so encouraging that everybody gave him a nickname, Son of Encouragement. And I, there have been times in the past where I've thought to myself, I wish I could be like Barnabas. I wish I was naturally an encourager. I wish I was more naturally inclined to just give compliments to people without them, even, without them expecting it, right? Because that's always a nice, pleasant surprise, isn't it? But the truth is, I can be like Barnabas with a bit of practice. And we can all be like Barnabas if we intentionally make a conscious effort in this regard. And that means before we go and talk to a friend, before we meet with someone, we purpose in our hearts, we say, you know what, I am going to give them a compliment. I'm going to be encouraging in some way. I'm going to bless them in this conversation. We make a conscious effort ahead of time. In fact, let's just practice right now. I'm going to ask you, turn to someone next to you and give them a compliment. Real quick, just go ahead and do that. Just go ahead. Turn to someone next to you. Give them a compliment. Real quick. Okay. Don't we all feel better? <laughs> Doesn't that feel much better than turning and whispering? Shh, okay, you can, you can stop now. Do it after, after the sermon, right? But doesn't that feel better? Doesn't that feel better than talking bad about someone behind their back? If we could just be encouraging to one another. We could all be like Barnabas if we make a conscious effort and practice to do so. If everyone in this room were to make a stand against gossip, I've got to say, our church would be a fortified, strong fortress. I heard a preacher talking in a little bit of this language. Uh, he didn't necessarily liken it to a fortress, but he was talking about how anytime someone attacked 
the church he was a part of. Anytime someone attacked his church from the outside, he wasn't concerned at all. See, this particular church, they had a, they had a ministry regarding abortion. They were saving many lives by going and talking to people, talking to mothers in loving ways. And, but you know how that, that issue can be uh, very polarizing. And uh, suffice it to say, certain news sources, news outlets, had come out uh, against this church and had slandered them in many ways. And he said, and I, I thought this was very encouraging, he said, you know what, when, that, when those articles came out, when that video came out, I wasn't concerned at all. Because Satan, yeah, he's going to attack us from the outside. But there's no danger in persecution. We don't fear the one who is able to kill the body. We fear the one who is able to destroy the soul in hell. And so all these attacks on the outside, if we have a, if we have a good heart and if we have our priorities correct, then we're going to be a strong fortress and any, any attack that comes from the outside of our walls isn't going to reach us. The problem happens, and, and the preacher said this, he said, when I am concerned is when I see problems arising within the church, within the body. When a brother or sister or two brothers or two sisters suddenly have strife with one another. He says, that's when I get concerned. Because if you think of us as a fortress, that's like spies within the walls. That's like, you know, I said we should avoid gossip like the plague, right? That's like the plague spreading amongst our midst while there's an army on the outside. If we're going to be attacked from the outside, we better be strong and united on the inside of our walls. The true danger that could destroy a church comes from within. And gossip, it's a spy who opens the gate. Gossip is like someone setting fire to our stores, to our supplies, right? Gossip is a destroyer. And we cannot tolerate it. Now in our... Let me be frank. And brutally honest right now. We as a church, as a congregation, are embarking upon a journey that's, going, that's very exciting for some, maybe very scary for others, maybe a mix of both. And it's a journey, it's this journey of relocation. It's going to be a dangerous one. Now, it's not going to be dangerous if we all have the right priorities and if we all stand together united. But make no mistake, Satan will be and is currently looking for cracks in the wall. He is currently looking for opportunities to sow, to sow seeds of strife within our brotherhood. Now, I have been very pleased so far and very uh, thankful to the Lord for just the, the way we have been united. But we need to be vigilant. We must be vigilant in this time. Because let, let's make no mistake, there will be decisions that are made. There will be preferences that people have with regards to where we go, what it looks like, etc., etc. There will be big decisions that that not everybody's going to agree on. It's just the simple truth. It's impossible to get everybody to agree on. So we know that there's going to be disagreement. 
Now, if we have the right priorities in, in our hearts, then that's not going to be an issue. But if we get our priorities mixed up, that's going to be an opening for Satan. We have to stand together during this time. Simple truth. Not, not all of us are going to be happy with everything that happens. I don't think any of us will be. There's going to be something. Let me just warn you right now. There's going to be something you don't like. Probably. We have to stand together. And one of the ways that Satan's going to try to divide us is through gossip. Where maybe an issue arises, maybe a disagreement arises during this process, and someone doesn't want to follow the prescribed method by Christ in Matthew chapter 18. They'd rather talk behind the other person's back. We have to all, each and every one of us, we have to decide right now that we won't stand for it. That we will not even listen to gossip. Now, I was earlier going to kind of make one note, uh, one caveat, you could say, uh, and I'll make that now, and that is that there are some cases, I believe, where maybe a situation is so twisted or so foggy where you don't know what to do, and so maybe you go to someone for advice. Right? Maybe you go to an elder, for example. But that doesn't absolve you of the fact that even after you've gotten the advice, you're still to go to the person in private. Okay? So I understand there may be instances in which you need advice. That's not necessarily gossip. But again, it doesn't absolve us of the obligation. So my call for us is very simple. Don't stand for gossip. It's a destroyer. And it's destroyed churches and congregations. We can't let it destroy us. And we won't. I don't believe we will. So, praise God for that. The lesson is yours this morning. If you're here this morning and you've struggled with this very thing, we want to give you an opportunity to come forward. We can pray with you as a congregation. I know for some it can be intimidating, especially because in I know I've heard some people say, well, they're just going to gossip about me when I come forward, right? But I hope you understand that we're not going to do that. We, we love you. We're going to stand with you and pray with you if, if you want that. But if it's still too intimidating, you can come to me. You can come to one of the elders. Uh, you can go to a brother or a sister. I hope that you will go to someone and help and make sure that they keep you accountable in this regard. But whatever your need is, and if you're willing, please come. As together we stand and sing.